Welcome to Bear Books for the love of indie. We're here to highlight and amplify self-published authors. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. We bring you our candid opinions and unscripted interviews. We're also your home for flash fiction stories, written by you, our favourite listener, and ourselves when the mood strikes and the writing prompt talks to us. This episode has been quite a while in the making thanks to circumstances outside of our control, so please do accept our sincere apologies for keeping you waiting. Trust me though when I tell you that we have something rather special for you today that was worth the wait. We are proper chuffed to bring you our long-awaited interview about the latest novel written by Carolyn Ward-Daniels, author of August, Flint, several flash fiction stories published in the Bear Books anthology, and now the sequel to Flint, The Flint Babies. And The Flint Babies is what this episode is all about. So let's start with a taster of her latest novel. The story begins from the last page of the novel Flint. This is a sequel to those events, but can be read as a standalone novel. The Waddington's home now had the internal scars of murder, and those memories erased the cosy and familiar and could not be papered over. When the Waddington family got up that morning, they knew they had to face a confrontation. But what happened was much worse than they could have anticipated. Apart from Christopher Waddington, he knew all along who the murderer was. Christopher and his estranged twin sister Christina have now been handed an inheritance which could ease them through their late teens and into their careers. But malicious people are plotting to take away their good fortune before it even lands. Spicy. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview with the talented Carolyn Ward-Daniels. We are here today talking with Carolyn Ward-Daniels, who was our very first book review on our very first episode of the podcast two years ago. Today she's rejoining us because she has written a sequel to Flint called The Flint Babies and we are going to chat all things Flint Babies, what we thought of it, what the thoughts were behind it, what the characters were like, what we liked, what we didn't like, a bit of everything, just a good old conversation about a bloody good book. And I'm going to have a bit of a moan because you've left me dangling at the end of this book. <laughs> the book was originally, that uh, the title was going to be The Flint Babies. Uh, and then when the plot kind of was unveiling, I thought, well, if I call it The Flint Babies, it's giving the plot away, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So when I was getting near the end, I thought, I didn't really want it to stop Flint. It could have gone on. And a lot of people said, oh, I wanted it to go on. But the thing is, it was kind of um, word-weighty as it was for, for an indie publisher, um, like 155,000 words. Now, if, if I'd have wanted to go to a traditional publisher with it, they wouldn't have touched it. But they wouldn't have touched anything kind of over 70,000 words. It's, it's too much of a risk. Yeah. And um, I was talking to Jeanette Taylor Ford, and she said, well, you, you know, you should have split it into, into two books, 155,000 words. And I said, well, think about it, because she'd read it. It wouldn't have worked, because it worked in, it was two eras. It was kind of the 1949 and 1963 where it started, 62, and then it, it, it worked in tandem, you know, until it actually collided yeah. in 70, 1970. Yeah. 
So you could not have split that book anywhere. But I couldn't do anything else about it because of how, how big it was. Yeah. So it had to stop where it, where it, it stopped. And I was happy. I, I was happy that people had got the comeuppances and that's what it was kind of, that's what the, the, the whole thing was all about. Yeah. And it's, you know, good over evil and all that thing. And, but after that, because I got such a fantastic re- response from it, and people were saying, oh, I didn't want it to stop. You know, can we have a sequel? Yeah. Purely from a reader's perspective, I don't think it was too long. And I think you're dead right. If you'd have cut that in half, the story wouldn't have had the same impact. You no. wouldn't be left in a place where I've got to rush out and buy the next book in this saga because... It's, it would have stopped in a weird place in the middle of that story. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked, would it? No, it, could, it couldn't have happened. Also, Flint's had a revival and August's had a revival because of it. Because yeah. people have bought, and they've bought all three books, which has been brilliant. That's fantastic for you, that is. <laughs> it is, honest. It really is. What made you decide to go so much shorter? Because it is a lot shorter. Is it, what, what, a third of the size? It's a third of the size, yes. It's uh, it's 50, uh, 55,000 words. Sounds like a lot until you're reading it, and then it's like, oh, I need more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't decided to be shorter. It's just hmm. where it took me. You yeah. know, it's, it kind of... It just took me through those things and people did, you know, get the, the just desserts and uh, the end. And people, the feedback I'm getting is, I think actually it could go further. And I really would like to know what happens with Christopher and Tina. So how come you stopped where you stopped with it, Caroline? The, the Flint Babies? Yeah. Well, all the, the big antagonizers, if you like, the, the horrible bitches and and... and Swines of, of the story, <laughs> uh, but I'd, I'd kind of dealt with them, and it was a nice place to finish. And, and I think if it, if it needed to go on, I think it is it would be another novel. Yeah, I absolutely want to know what happens to Christopher and Tina as they become adults. Everybody's everybody's asking that. I've just written down you know, the little bullet points of what could happen, and when I go to bed at night rumbles about in the attic of my mind and thinking, you know, where where would this go? Where would it go? So it's in my thoughts. It needs to be more than in your thoughts. It needs to be on the paper. <laughs> yeah. If only just to satisfy more, my morbid curiosity of what happens to them. Because when you sort of read the, the, the two books, they actually, these characters take on a life. Yeah. Because really and truly, they've only just met each other, haven't they? But the, it, and it is this thing of career choice or business choice. It, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird thing, and 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 that's what I've been thinking about: is where do I take this? I've got an idea. I've got a, an idea in my head what I want to do, particularly with Tina. But you think these things. Um, but sometimes they, they've got legs of their own and they, they kind of take off in another direction. So are you saying that they, it's going to be at least a trilogy? It could happen. You talked earlier on, Carolyn, of, of sort of Tina and Christopher and then the characters get expanded in, in Flint Babies. 
Do you not think Christopher's too nice? I know what you're saying. He um, he is he is rather nice, isn't he? And I think Tina <laughs> is as well. I've been dumping crap on his head, haven't I? He's the he's the one that's had had the setbacks, if you like. Um, mm, and I think yeah. he, he, I think he like gets holds himself back sometimes. I think that the the complications, the the grief, and everything that that is is at to face. I think holds him back. I think it gets messed up in his head. Whereas Tina is more philosophical, but she's just been surrounded with love. There's been nothing wrong in in her upbringing. So I think she's, you know, like, you know, she says in the book, don't just think it'll just revert back to how it was, which was lovely. But he didn't have that that stability or he had some, some crap chucked at him, really, that he had to deal with. I think April's got a point in that, is 15 and he has been brought up with John and all the other issues in his life and there has been some like bad stuff and all the issues around not being blood. Yeah. Where's your teenage rebellion? Where's the little dark days where he did feel like lashing out or... Even good people have days where bad shit happens and they want to just kick somebody. Yeah, yeah, they do. You're, no, but you're Christopher not. never did. No, he didn't. He didn't. I'm trying to think of something, anything bad that he did, and I don't think he Nothing. did, did he? I think that possibly makes for quite an interesting trilogy, to be fair, an interesting third book, because surely somebody cannot stay that nice forever. No, no it's a good point, that is, April, actually. Good point. It is. But this is all this is all ingredients, you know, it's all ingredients for me to, to you know, mull over and think, yeah, what is you know, what is gonna happen? Yeah. I was sort of, you know, thinking about sort of Katie had that moment when her and Christopher split up and Tina was, you know, with John and all that kind of thing in, in Flint. So they had a little bit of a bad side to them, but yeah, I I just think Christopher was sweet and and good and it makes me wonder whether having sort of thought about is it going to be school or is it going to be business is he going to be able to carry that sweetness into the business and is he going to be able to make those businesses work and this is just me sort of surmising about what might happen to him in the future is he too nice for the cutthroat world of business now is it going to be business or is it going to be college hmm and, you know, we all know what can happen. Well, well I know what can happen at college. It isn't all, all nice and pretty. You do push your boundaries. So we'll see. Well, we'll see. I, I don't actually know where he's going to go at the moment. Of Tina, I have an idea, but I've, I've, I've still got to work on that plot. But I should imagine that your readers, Caroline, are, are like me and Daisy, where we're thinking about where where the future could lie because I think and I think that's the mark of a, of a good book where you've got yourself a little bit immersed in the story where you try to imagine what's going to happen to them after the book or honestly that is what everybody's saying that to me I do, I really want to cultivate it I I, I don't I, I you know I don't want to take the first idea that comes into my head I want to kind of question it myself and say 
you know, it's just, it's a bit like like I say, your you, you plot if it's just a, if it's neck curtain, um, it's like you as a writer looking through that neck curtain to the outside can see what's happening, and your reader was on the outside. The, the the job of that neck curtain is not to let them look in, and two, you kind of like you know when you switch the light on and people can see in, um, and it's it's up to me to find what's going to happen when I switch that light on. I've got to. I want to entertain them. I can't just write a thin story. Yeah, I like the way you put that. I think that's quite descriptive, quite good. So, April, who's your favourite character? What's your favourite bit of the book? Blimey, my favourite bit of the book. Put you on the spot. <laughs> I like Sydney. I like Sydney. Yeah, no, I, li- I like Sydney. He obviously, he recognises the good and the evil and the nasty and the ugly. He's, he, he himself... Obviously, if nobody's read Flint, you know, they possibly don't know the Sydney story. But the way that Sydney has sort of taken to looking after Tina and Christopher and all the people around that that Jed was responsible for, I'll use that word, when he was alive, you know, and, and depended on him for the livelihoods and things like that. Sydney's carried that on and he's made sure that those people were well looked after. So I think out of the, everybody in the book, whilst he doesn't appear to play a big part in the book, when you actually dig into his character and you look behind the scenes, as it were, yeah. you find that actually he's a, he actually is a major player in everybody's life. Now, he's like a common denominator, isn't he? He's that level. He's that level that, that carries on through the book and things ping off all around him. And he does. He tries to bring it back to to control yeah. He's kept everything going. Yes. Behind the scenes. He's looked after the businesses and everybody involved and yeah, all all that side. It's a skegness, isn't it? Yeah. All that side has like ticked on and the twins have grown up and when they come back for everybody in Skegness it's like it were five minutes ago. Yeah. They've just been waiting for them to come home, if you like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for for 14 years. Yeah, it's like time stood still for them. They've just kept it going and waited for them to come home. Yeah. I'll tell you what I found poignant about Flint Babies is the conversation at the graveyard between Christopher and Uncle Benny and how he he describes that one-inch dash on the headstone and all the things that he wants to do with his one-inch dash yeah, and how that, how that such a tiny little thing on the gravestone amounts for such an immense. It's your entire life. It, it, it is, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. you look at, but you know, look at the grave and think, oh, that that just represents a whole life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. a whole life in one little dash. Yeah, yeah. It was such a nice thing to put in the book. It just it meant a lot. No, oh, I'm glad you learned that bit. Uncle Ben is still my favourite, even though he wasn't actually in Flint. What I don't understand, and and I don't, is the way that Belfit has put up with what he's put up with and looked at it all, and and you know it takes a lot for him to actually. I think he's a bit of a coward. Why? That butler thing, though. That they, they are just so um, valiant, aren't they? It's their job, and this is what they do. And the fact that he actually had been in love with Grace. Yeah, I suppose so. I didn't know he was in love with Grace until I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think he was a bit of a coward because he just let stuff happen that he could have stopped, I think. 
if he'd have had some guts and a pair. Like what, for example? Well, I mean, I, I get the impression that, that he never really sort of, he didn't have Victor's back and he should have done. Mm, yeah. I don't know about that. And Victor moaned to him a lot, but I don't think he had his back. Yeah, I think Belfort, obviously, he wanted to, for all those years, wanted to stay in that position. He was in he was in love with Grace. Obviously, she became more and more of a witch bitch, um, you know, and he wanted to spit in a gin. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to do more than spit in a gin. <laughs> well, she got a comeuppance, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without giving too much away. Yeah, it's worth it just for that. It was, yeah. But I like the way the book tied all of the characters from Flint together. So you got all those connections. You you worked out who was who and, and how they all interacted and fitted together and they all kind of came together. The only thing I would say is that I don't think Flint Babies is a standalone book. I had to revisit Flint because it's two above two years since I read it. So I had to revisit Flint, because obviously I've read dozens of books since then, just to refresh myself on some of the characters. So I think that anybody that picks up Flint Babies without reading Flint perhaps might struggle a bit. I was bothered, actually, about how much information I was uh, given when the, the twins went back, because obviously they didn't know what happened. So it, um, Sid... Sid and Maisie and Gloria, just, you know, explaining that, I think that was kind of my uh, way of letting it be that standalone novel, if you if you will. Yeah, like filling in the backstory for anyone that hadn't read Flint. We've talked about Flint. Have you got anything else in the pipeline that you've got up your sleeve that's in that box of stuff that you've written? To be honest, I've been uh, writing uh, short, uh, short stories. Like I wrote an exactly 100-word flash fiction, um, just to see if I could. And the thing is, I have all these short pad notepads, all of because if some words want to dribble out of me, I write them down. And I, th- I would say to anybody, do that, because I can't tell you how many times um, I've picked something up. Um, I'll tell you what was one. I, I picked up and it was like 150 words. And, it, and it, it, that's all. I just written this idea thing in my head, stuffed it, and that was, um, why are you blushing? Oh yeah, yeah. On the flash fiction, and uh, it's just odd things like that. I will see, and then I'll write something else, um, and it just kind of evokes a, a, a picture. You know what I mean? Mm. So I've got pads of this stuff, and and I just I, I don't throw them away because I flick through. I mean, sometimes they'll be like, um, decorate bedroom, you know, over carpet, these little notes I leave myself to, you know, got to do that. But amongst it is this, sometimes these little gems. So I don't throw them away. Yeah. You know, so and it's just important to get the words out because then it nudges, I think, something in your head. Yeah. A quick question about Flint Babies. If you are going to write a third story following Flint Babies, how are you going to get around the fact that you've got no antagonists? That's exactly what I thought. I thought, leader now, um, now what's going to happen? Right? <laughs> and, 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 which, and, and then when April said, do you think it's a bit too nice? And I'm thinking, yeah, I've got to. You've got to chuck an hand grenade in there, haven't you? 
Yeah. As, as far as I'm concerned, when you start a story, you've <laughs> you've got to give you've got to start it off with something that makes it ooh. You know, even in flash fiction, yeah. because you've not got a lot of room to to get the whole thing down, you've got to start ooh boom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, where's that boom going to come from? That's what I'm to figure. With the twins being as young as they are, because really Flint Babies hasn't moved on in time at all from the end of Flint to the end of Flint Babies. It's a very short time span. It's just a continuation of Flint. Exactly. But in the same time frame. So yeah. you haven't got the backwards and forwards and the saga and the growing and all the stuff that built up to it. It's this standalone bang, this is what happened to the children when they found out. Yeah. And it's all in this one single time frame. So I guess from that point of view, you've got loads of scope because if Christopher went to college or Christopher got into business, is a 15-year-old lad. He could be making new friends. People are going to want to be his friend because he's moneyed. He could make friends with the wrong person. There's so many scenarios. These are all the things that are going through my head. Yeah. Um, they can't go to the following year when, when they're 16. That's when I yeah. went. That's when I went. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's so that they, they have, they are having to grow up pretty fast, but it will all stop if they go to college. It changes again. Yeah. It just changes again. So it's new blood then? Well, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've already been researching some little bits, you know, for that timeline, because I say it is 1970, and, and I was there. I, that was. <laughs> Um, so, and, and, and I'm not kidding, that four years at college was the, the best time in their life, you know. So, um, and, because, and I say I did enjoy writing Flint Babies from that nostalgic, that, that childhood bit. And I think I would enjoy writing the art college um, bit, you know. But I say something's got to happen. Well, again, you've got plenty to draw on, right? What you know. Exactly. Quick question about Grace's daughter. What's Grace's daughter's name? Uh, that's Lydia. I thought, sorry, but it was a bit convenient that she just happened to be the person visiting Waddy in prison and how that all happened. That was a massive coincidence that she happened to be the one sat on the other side of the visiting thing from him. Yeah, well, it was, it was her friend... A, a bohemian friend else but she liked to do these weird things and so it, it, it but how, how on earth I, 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 there was no that was the way of obviously getting that link to Grace yeah uh, you see she could she could have a bigger part to play in things because everybody thinks that she's not really that fussed yeah. And she just likes to be left alone and she wants to go and be like Elspeth and just do these bohemian wacky things that you know, a mother didn't approve of because, you know, they weren't materialistic, etc. Yeah. But you you have got some characters in Flint Babies that you can really develop for a trilogy and give them some meaty stuff to do. I think Lydia is a bit of an open book, to be honest. <laughs> you know... She could be massively underestimated right now. Nobody really takes her seriously, but she could grow up to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, the thing is that, that in, in Flint Baby, she's not really that bothered about money, but she's no. got money, so she doesn't need to be bothered about it. So what's going to happen now when there's a possibility that she might not have any money? 
the, the, she's the, the sole person of this business. She's completely naive to it. So it's, you know, what, what could happen? What could happen? So, that, yeah, so you're right, there are characters. But she's not naive to the wealth that those businesses have brought in. I don't even know what they are, though. Do you know what a slot machine is? She could turn into Grace's mini-me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it had to be said. <laughs> it could be Grace. She might blossom. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good read, Caroline. Oh, good, I'm glad. It was, yes. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us once again. Well, thank you. Thank you. And and, and, and just to take this opportunity to thank anybody that has given me feedback and, and, and have bought the books. That's it. it has been a fantastic two months, I've got to say. Brilliant. Congratulations on that. And to anyone that's listening to the podcast, if you are reading indie authors, do take just five minutes of your time, even if you don't love a book, and if you do love it even better, but just go and give them those quick reviews on Goodreads, on Amazon, wherever you can leave a review for indie authors. Do so if you're reading their books. It's worth it and it means such a lot to the authors. It does. It really does. Well, thank you very, very much for coming and joining us. It's, it's brilliant talking about books that we've all read. It just makes it so much meatier. Lovely. Well, thank you very much and thank you for reviewing it. And, uh, well, I hope to catch up with you soon. Thank you. I really do think there should be a sequel to Flint Babies. I think I made that pretty clear in that interview. In fact, these characters, they've got loads of development going on for them. Yes, anything, absolutely anything could happen from here on in. I mean, Carolyn obviously has been thinking about it already and... I will be one of the people waiting with bated breath to find out what happens. Is it going to be a massive saga? Is it going to be new blood, lots of new characters brought in? Who knows? I want Caroline to turn Christopher into a villain. What? Yeah, I do. I wouldn't mind seeing that, just, you know. But hey, who knows? Well, you are a little bit twisted, let's be honest. I just think it'd be fun. You know, it's been this sweet gentle child who's growing into a young man. You know, let's have him doing a bit of something that's a bit risque or, <laughs> you know, on the, the edge of the line of, of lawlessness. You don't think he's going to be a true gent like his father? I don't know. I, I think that Jed was a true gent. And for Christopher to be the same... I think it's asking too much. Well, what's wrong with having a villainess? Why can't Tina be the one that's the villain? That's true. I think that Chris should marry Lydia and we could have a bit of fun. <laughs> How about we mind our business and wait for Carolyn to write yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've had quite enough opinions about this matter for one day. Yeah, I think we have. But it's, it's, it was a fun interview. I enjoyed the interview. It was long awaited for, well worth it. Really, I just, I'd just like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and staying with us for this journey. Um, I want you to keep an eye out as well for next season. So towards the end of 2022, I believe we've got something pretty special coming up, have we not, Daisy? So when we start season six, we have decided 
thanks to it being Pride season here in the UK, for everybody that's listening in the UK. I have been to a couple of Prides, and I went to one last weekend as it goes, and there were two bookstalls there, and I've been chatting with some indie authors and having a look, and I've bought a new haul of books, which always pleases me, and I always buy more than I need. But hey, it's my money, I'll spend it on what I want. But the thing is, there are some really, really good books out there by LGBT authors. So what April and I have talked about is having a whole season dedicated to LGBT fiction. I can't wait. I mean, I, I know I'm going back to the sort of 70s and 80s and the sort of fiction. Well, it left a lot to be desired for. But I mean, obviously, over the years, uh, things have improved an awful lot. And there are some really, really good stuff out there and we're going to bring the best of it to you yes we are looking for very high caliber we want to bring you the best of the best as april says or if i pick a book it'll be trashy no no trashy rubbish twee love stories i don't think so no no not at all no i can't wait i can't wait for that i'm looking forward to getting my hands on some of these books doing some reviews and speaking to some authors I think it's about time, don't you? I do, yes. So anyway, thanks ever so much, everybody, for listening. This is the end of Season 5. Just take care of yourself and look after each other. Yeah, it's been our absolute pleasure. Thanks from me too to everybody for staying with us throughout our journey so far. And we'll see you next season. Take care. for joining us now you've had a listen why not pop over and join us on facebook instagram and twitter if you want to submit your story you can email us at beerbookspod1 at gmail.com and if you've enjoyed what you've listened to today why not share us with your friends thank you for listening (laughs) 